today I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as we hear the word today, I thank you that hearts will be strengthened, faith will be raised, and Father, we will leave this place knowing that we have victory in Jesus Christ. Thank you that as I have decreased, the anointing of God is already in this place to feed every person the spiritual manna of your word. And I thank you for the anointing to teach, preach, and exhort in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I love the month of July because July I've decided to freelance every message. And so each one of them will be independent from the other ones that I share. And so today I want to share on a topic of fighting for abundant life. Fighting for abundant life. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. He's talking about fighting. And look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor. When was the last time you had one? Amen. Fighting for abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus promised us that we could have life more abundantly. But sometimes there are things in life that we experience that try to take the abundant life from us. And the first place that it tries to take it away from us is in our minds and in our hearts. But we got to know that when God makes a promise for us, it is worth fighting. Whether it's your finances, whether it's your family, whether it's your health, what is your occupation, it doesn't matter. God wants us to fight. And here's point number one that I want you to write down. Every promise from God must be worth fighting for. Every promise from God should be worth fighting for. I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32. And then I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. That was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And then Galatians chapter 3, uh, Galatians chapter 11, verse 32 and 33. Every promise that God makes us is worth fighting for. And sometimes I believe when we experience different things in life, we start backing up from the promise and we start looking back in our past. And sometimes the past looks better than the future to us because it looked like things were going better. But I think sometimes we get uh, lack of memory or what is it called when you... When you get amnesia, when you, when you were going forward, because see, you don't remember back there, you had so many bad relationships, it gave you a headache. You don't remember all those challenges that you had when you first got married, that you all were fighting and bickering every day. It's not as bad. You might be doing it now once a week, but that's still better than every day. Amen. And so we have to understand that every promise from God must be worth fighting. But here's the deal. Every promise must be received by faith. Turn over to Hebrews 11. I'm going to start in verse 32. It says here, And what shall I say the more? For the time would fail me to talk about Gideon, and talk about Barak, 
and talk about Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of all the prophets who through faith they subdued kingdoms and through faith they wrought righteousness and through faith they also did what class? They obtained promises of God. Now I want you to go over Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. All the promises that God gives us, they must be obtained by using our faith. And let me tell you a secret. Your faith and your feelings can't work at the same time. In Galatians chapter 3, I'm starting in verse 13 and then I'm going to read 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why? That the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Watch this now. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How, class? Through faith. So every promise that God makes us must be obtained through faith. And I need you to know today, faith should be your best friend. And that's the thing. And and I want you to write this down. Faith is not a feeling, but faith is a fight. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is just a fight. And I know we all grew up in different ways and grew up in different churches. But I remember growing up, even though our church didn't sing it, I heard this song growing up. And don't get offended from it. But, you know, it's one of those songs that attached our feelings to it. It's like, I got a feeling. Everything. Come on, help me. Be all right. Oh. See, some of y'all know it. Now, what happens if you start feeling like it ain't going to go right? What you going to do? And we sing songs like that, and that's wonderful, but the problem is if I attach my faith to my feelings, my faith is not going to work. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Guess what? Faith is a fight. Now, if you look that word fight up, it means contention and conflict. Contention and conflict. He said, when you fight the good fight of faith, it is a fight of contention and it is a fight of, watch this, I mean, just conflict that's, that's happening. But here's the deal. I found out the conflict is with our flesh, the conflict is with our feelings, and the conflict is with our foes. See, when you're fighting the good fight of faith, you got to somehow put your feelings on the shelf. Because your feelings are like the weather, they're going to go up and down. And here it is, we're fighting a good fight, the fight of faith, and we're having to fight our feelings, and faith is the key to receive the blessings of God. But I have found out that sometimes what you are believing does not match what you are experiencing. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes what we are believing does not match what we are receiving or experiencing. And here's point number two that I want you to write down. I have found out that when God gives us a promise... To every promise is a process. Every promise has a process. I want you to write that down. And I want you to find Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to look in verse 8. Exodus chapter 3 verse 8. Every promise that God has has a a process to it. And you know, most of us don't know that. And because we don't, when we're in the process, we're not realizing that we're not staying in the process. We're just going through the process. In Exodus chapter 3, this is where the children of Israel, they had been released from Egypt, released from bondage, released from their past. And God was trying to transition them into the promised land. But through, watch this, leaving the bondage and getting to the promised land, they had to go through a process called the wilderness. 
And I believe there are some people here this morning, you may be going through the wilderness. But I'm here to tell you that the wilderness is not a place that you stay. A wilderness of place is a place that you go through. In verse 8, uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land and to a good land. Everybody say a good land. A good land and a large land unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and all these other ites. God said to them, listen, I'm taking you and delivering you out of Egypt and out of the hands of the Egyptians. And then I'm going to transition you into a promised land. But they had to walk through the wilderness to get there. And many of them do what many of us do. And that means when when we're going through a period, when what we are experiencing doesn't match what we're believing, what happens is there's a contradiction there. And what we end up doing is complaining in the wilderness just like the children of Israel did. The children of Israel had to go through the wilderness before they got to the promise. Listen, sometimes you have to go through before you can get to. And let me tell you a secret. You're going to go through anyway. Whether you're saved or not. Listen, if you have not ever been through a wilderness experience in your life, trust me, there will be a day that you will. But see, the promise that we have, between, this is what makes us different from people who are not saved. Jesus said, oh, I will be with you even until the end of the world. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is there, so he's there to help us. So listen, if God has led you there or has allowed something to come through there, guess what? You can handle it or he wouldn't have put it in your way. The wilderness is a time where God wants us to draw close to him so that we can get out and be ready for the promise that's on the other side. The wilderness experience comes either through, watch this, one or two ways, either because it's divine or because of the times. Sometimes things happen to us because it's divine. I'm going to show you in the New Testament, one of the first things that Jesus had to do after he was baptized, he got put in the wilderness. So if you just got saved and it feels like your life is going backwards, it ain't going backwards. God is just putting you in the wilderness because, see, in the wilderness, that's the place God wants your flesh to just die. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Watch what he said. To humble you and to prove or test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep my commandments. And he humbled you and suffered thee to hunger and fed you with manna which you knew not of, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When you're going through a wilderness experience, God is trying to lead you so he can feed you. Many times we get in a wilderness situation and instead of drawing closer to God, notice he said, I only did that to test you so you can know what's in your heart. And if you're going through a wilderness experience today and you're complaining and crying and belly aching and trying to figure out a way out, listen, God is saying, if you just come close to me and feed on my word, I will sustain you through the wilderness. Amen. In Luke chapter 1, let's go there. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to look in verse 80. Luke chapter 1, verse 80. The wilderness is a place of preparation. The wilderness is a place of preparation. See, you have to actually change your perception of when you're going through something. 
Because you got to know that with every promise comes a process. And then after the process, then that you will experience the promise. And so we got to see that the process is not really bad for us. It's actually good for us. The Bible says he's going to make all things work together for our good. So it doesn't matter what happens in the wilderness. When I come out, I'm going to be better than when I went in. In Luke chapter 1 verse 80, I love this. uh, It says, and this is about John the Baptist. And I'm going to show you that sometimes going through the wilderness is just God's way of preparing you. It's talking about John the Baptist. And it says in verse 80, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert. And when you look that word desert up, it's the same English word, wilderness. He was in the wilderness till the day of his showing unto Israel. Sometimes God is trying to just prepare you for what he's got for you. And if you don't get ready, you won't be able to handle it. Amen. In Matthew chapter 4, why don't you, why don't you go there? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm turning, giving you more scripture today. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to learn the Bible anyway. You need to learn it. You need to learn it. Especially if you're just picking it up once a week anyway, I got to give you as much as I can. Matthew chapter 4, if you would. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 3, though, verse 17. It's just one verse up, okay? And lo, a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Here it is. Jesus gets on the scene, gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes down. And then a man of God announces that this is the son of God. And then the next verse says, then was Jesus led up by the spirit into what class? He was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You mean to tell me that before Jesus even did a miracle, he had to go through the wilderness. And sometimes God is just trying to mold us and shape us and correct us and change us into his image. So that by the time we get out, we don't smell like the wilderness. We smell like his promise. Sometimes we must go through to get to. In Amos chapter 2, verse 10, I'm going to read the first part of it and then I'm going to come back. It says, also, it was talking about the children of Israel. Also, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness. Which says that, watch this, you don't stay in the wilderness, you go through the wilderness. David put it like this, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. Because he says, you are with me. So the wilderness experience, the difficult times that you may be going through right now, it's not permanent. It's actually temporary. And I've discovered that it is our response in the wilderness that determines the timeline of our reward. The children of Israel really had about a seven-day trip to get from Egypt to the promised land. But because they did not respond properly, they stayed in the wilderness longer than what they should. Which tells me my response to my wilderness experience determines my, the timeline of my reward. Some of us are in it longer than what we should because we're still just sitting there just angry. You're still mad at that boyfriend that cut off that relationship with you. Get over it because he's sticking you in the wilderness. You're still mad at your spouse. Y'all haven't been speaking for not all going on two weeks now. You're stuck in the wilderness. You can't get stuck. It's a transition place. What is God trying to, you know, here's what's interesting. When you're in a relationship, marital, you can really know how spiritual you are when you get married. Uh-huh. 
We're going to see if you really love Jesus. Can you wake up in the morning in a good mood when the other person's not? Hello? Can you still treat them right when they're giving you the cold shoulder? Can you do it? See, but that's when all that flesh, see, flesh really needs to be cut off before you get married. Because when you get married, you're going to be like Jesus, or boy, you're going to feel like the devil. <laughs> that was just for somebody in the house. Here's point number three. At the end of every process, there is a prize. And for every wilderness experience comes a promised land. Anytime we come into a wilderness experience and we're coming out, God has a promise for us. He has a prize for us. He has laid up something big and it's bigger than what we think and you have to get ready. And I have found a lot of times we think we're ready and we're not. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is now laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, watch this, will give me at that day. And not only me, but also to them that love his appearance. He says, you know what? When you fight the good, good fight of faith and when you come out of it, he says, you're going to come out of it and God is going to have a prize for you that's going to blow your head off. Have you ever had God to do something for you that you couldn't explain to other people? You know, I was going through a wilderness experience when I came back from Haiti. When I came back, something was wrong with my throat. I don't know what happened. I know uh, I took a sip, just a little sip, just a little sip of some water over there. And, uh, I mean, we were in a hotel, so I, I didn't think I needed some old I could have been traveling with. But for some reason, something started messing with my throat. And so if you go back and listen to my messages from about February to about maybe April, you could hear that it was kind of horsey. You know, it wasn't clear. I went to the doctor. She said, oh, it's just allergies. I've never had allergies in my life. So now a week goes by, two weeks goes by, a month goes by. And now I'm figuring out I'm in a fight right now. And so finally, I began to declare healing over me. Went to the doctor. How's it going? I still sounded the same. But I just told, you know, because I got this kind of relationship with my doctor. I said, listen, I'm just believing for healing right now. I don't need no allergy medicine because, you know, they give you allergy stuff. And I don't need, I, I don't, it, it wasn't allergies. I knew it wasn't. It was a fight. It was a wilderness experience. And I had, a, I had an opportunity to either bow down to it or to go through it. And one day, I just woke up one day, one morning. Remember, now I'm declaring healing. Woke up one morning, and my voice was right back to where it was, and I don't even know when it happened. Amen. So sometimes we got to see that there's, on the other side of the wilderness is a blessing. Jesus' first miracle was done when he came out of the wilderness. We must believe that God's best for us is ahead of us and not behind us. You got to see. You got to stop looking behind. I know the past looks good, but it's not as good as God's future for you. Here you are. You're looking back at all these situations that you had instead of looking forward and saying, God, I can't wait to see what you got in store for me. See, at the end of the process, you're going to either you're going to have a testimony and you're going to be able to tell the triumph of victory that you have. See, how can the person that knows you that knew the old you, touch your neighbor, say neighbor. He talking about the old you. 
Yeah, that old you that just what man I tell you what that old person that that person that used to do all that. Listen, now when you start changing, they're gonna be like, whoa. What happened to you? See, you're going to have a story of triumph. And you can't have a money without a test. You can't have no money without a test. A testimony. You got to have a test. Some of y'all just didn't get that. How many want a testimony? Let me see your hand. You say, well, I don't want no test, so I ain't going to raise my hand. You're going to have one anyway. I believe what God is saying to us today. Let me ask this question. How many of you are going through a wilderness experience right now? Let me see your hand. Hot diggity. Just look around. Just look around so you can see that I'm not by myself. I'm not by myself. You can put your hand down. But I got a, I got a promise for you. If you'll get through it, God's got something that he's going to do for you that's bigger than what you could do for yourself. Take your eyes of what the devil is doing and put your eyes on what God wants to do for you. If you'll notice, he said, one of the things that should happen in the wilderness is that we should take the word. He says, man should not live by bread alone. So when you are in the wilderness time, man, you need to flood your heart with the word. Flood your heart with it. Listen to it. Read it. Repeat it to yourself. Say it. You know why? Because that's what's going to bring you out and bring you through and have you ready. So at the end of the process, it ain't all you. Oh, yeah, I did it. See, because sometimes what we do, we give ourselves glory, but we give God credit. Oh, yeah, I got this new promotion. Oh, the Lord blessed me. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a difference between giving God glory and giving him credit. Credit is just saying they helped me, they assisted me. But glory says I couldn't have done it without him. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I go? And so I want to challenge you who are going through wildernesses right now to lock in and get closer to God and say, God, even though what I'm believing contradicts what I'm experiencing, I'm going to believe that your word is going to bring me out. And you are not a liar. You're not a man that you should lie. But you're not even a son of man. That Listen, God, I believe you and I'm going to believe you till the end. And faith is just saying, I'm not going to let it go until I see it. Amen. That's what faith says. Faith says, bring it on. Because me and God makes the majority. Amen. Maybe you're here today, every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you are going through a wilderness experience. My question to you is, what is God saying to you through the message today?